Chapter 1 The Journey Ahead It was the period in history that would later be recorded as the Age of the War. For it was in this period that the first great mortal war of Etherrealm began. It was a long war, started early in the Seventh Era and lasting until the end of the Eighth Era. It was a time in which the Dark Lord Malgroth had finally risen his grand army that would destroy the world and fulfill the one and only command given to him. It was a time in which many legends arose. Valiant warriors were recorded as servants of the light as they had led many lands to victory. Each legend that was born was another sign of the Dark Lord's downfall. These legends gave way to the times of peace and harmony in the later years. Without these brave men and women, Etherrealm would be gone. But it is not. And those legends have lived on to be told throughout the world, throughout the universe, to those who would listen. And now, this story, this legend among many, has finally come to you. Listen now, and let your mind wander into the words abroad. Let your ears hear them in their splendor. Let your eyes see the wonder. For this is a legend beyond any. It was a legend that some recorded as the Age of the Swords. For swords were, in this time, a mighty weapon. But there were rumors of blades of greater power than all the world had ever beheld. One of which was the Black Sword created long ago by the demon Mordegil, or his master Malgroth, in the ash lands of Omnasar. A host of wizards had heard of such happenings taking place in the lands of ash, and so they rode forth to spite this demon forger and prevent him from presenting the fell blade to his master. In the black and barren lands of Omnasar, the wizards fought with the demon, and at long last his physical form was shattered, and his spirit returned, crippled, back to the black realms of the Barog Midroth. Many years had passed, and the sword, in the possession of Menorath the Light, one of the wizards, began to inflict a dark poison upon its wielder. The wizard turned dark and slew foe and friend alike. Upon beholding the damage done by his own hand, Menorath took the black sword back to Omasar the spell that consumed his powers totally, the wizard sealed the blade within the depths of the earth. A dark forest there grew also. The trees acted as guardians to the sword, as did the other dark creatures that dwelled within. The sword remained hidden for many millennia. Until now. Malgroth has learned of its resting place, and in the depths of the black fortress of the Borog Mudurah, the demon Mordegil rallies a host of the Dark Lord's riders who will go and retrieve the Black Sword.
retreat the master's blade. You shall find the weapon, master. And with it, you shall cover the lands in darkness. Lord Mordigil! What is it, Orc? My lord, the soldiers of Tirithgar are putting up good resistance. We cannot break through the Grey Gates. Send the Varric War. Yes, Lord. Akash! Take us all more Tears go with fall by the day's head, Master. Tears go. Your challenge! and you should make sure its breathing has ceased. <laughs> well, I think your arrow between its eyes makes a very decorative addition to its features. Captain Arlor. Captain. What is it? Sir, King Alareth has sent for you. In the midst of battle? He says it is of great urgency, sir. More urgent than keeping the forces of Malgroth away from the city? I am only stating the king's demands, sir. <sighs> Break off. Yes, sir. Take command of the militia until my return. Hurry back, Captain. I fear I cannot hold these lines without your leadership. I will be as quick as the King will allow. Come, let us go. Captain Erelor, I thank you for coming, and I apologize for the inconvenience. How does the battle fare? The tide of the war shifts with every hour, my liege, and more times in Malgroth's favor than in ours. I'm not sure how much longer the Citadel will stay intact. 
That is why I must return to the battlefield with all haste. Unfortunately, Captain, there is a matter of great importance that has arisen. A matter that may very well steal you from the battlefield. What matter could be so great as to pull me from battle, my king? The Black Sword. The... What of it? The Dark Lord has learned of its resting place, and even now as we speak, he is sending his Dark Agents to retrieve it. But that's impossible. No one knows its whereabouts. It was that way once. A company of orcs heading west stumbled upon a great forest that swallowed them up. Only one survived and returned to Malgrom. But how did There that... is only one forest in all Aether Realm that has such a reputation as to destroy what air grows into it. Queen Aelin! My lady, you have returned. Yes. This forest of which we speak was commanded by Menoroth, the light to rise up. A command that ordered the trees to protect that fell weapon forever. How has such news come to you? Silveran Elf! She is called Aileen Shadowleaf, daughter of Maethelin, Elf Lady of the Winter Realms. Between the Silverin and the Ildenir Elves, we have learned a great deal. Well met, Lady Shadowleaf. Please forgive my outburst. It is not every day that one sees a Silverin in these parts. Call me Aileen. And you have good reason to behold me so. The Silverin are a shy race. Very rarely do we travel in the open, but this matter was too great to keep within the shadows of the Winter Realms. How did you learn of this scheme of the Dark Lords? Our scouts saw a number of riders leaving the Black Realms of Borog Midroth, heading southwest to Amnasar. Lady Maithlin used one of the stones of Lyrgar to search the minds of these shadow riders. What she saw is what I have brought before your king and queen. So... Menoroth returned the Black Sword to its homeland. The Dark Lord has been searching for that foul blade since the Fourth Era of the Age of Shadows. It is misfortune that we should have to live to see the Black Sword's resurrection. What are we to do? Aileen has suggested that a host of warriors be sent to intercept these riders of Bolrog Midroth. I will assemble a small militia No, to no, we, we cannot spare any of the men on the battlefield. It is even against my wishes to... I have asked for your assistance, if you will join me. Then you are to set out after these Shadow Riders? Mm. I am already on a small quest of my own. I am seeking out the strongest and the most able fighters to help me hunt down these Riders before they reach the Lands of Ash. You were among my mother's highest recommendations. What say you? Will you join with me? I detest leaving the fray, but my feet and my sword are ever ready for an adventure. I will go with you. I do not say I approve of letting my greatest soldier leave the battle, but if this quest is victorious, you will have done more to aid us in this war than you could have done here in the militia. You have my blessing, Captain Aerolon. And mine. Go with great speed, and Mechad Moria aid you on this treacherous road.
Here is your horse, Captain Erlor. And here is Haradwil for the lady. Ah, he is beautiful. Yes. He belonged to my sister. Long ago. She has passed? A sickness took her life. Not even the greatest wizards had the power to heal her. I am sorry. As am I. Where now do we ride? To the outskirts of Hormengard. Hormengard? Then it is a dwarf you seek? Yes. Come now. Time is passing quickly. The shadow riders of Borog Midrath will reach Amnasar by the month's end. That's 16 days from now. Do you really believe we can catch up with the riders before then? We must. All Aetheram is depending on us. Yep. Ha! Erelor and Aileen rode for many hours until the sun began to sink beyond the western mountains. At nightfall they slept until the first signs of daylight appeared. They rose and mounted their horses and set off in a slow trot until the horses had warmed in the chill of the morning. So, who is this dwarf that you seek? He is called Hammerhelm. Dorn Hammerhelm. He was banished from the Hormengard. On what charge? Um, murder. Murder? Of who? His father. King of Clan Stone Cleaver. He murdered his father? No. He was only accused of such. What do you mean? The High Council of Hormengard believes him guilty, but he is not. You mean it was some sort of trap? I believe so, yes. I fought alongside Dorn during the Battle of the White Bridge. He and I were very great friends by the battle's end. He spoke very highly of his father. Dorn could not have killed him. He would never even think of such a thing. Well, people can change in dark times. Say what you will, Captain of Tirithgar. Dorn is innocent. Tell me more of this dwarf that you hold in such high opinion. He is the strongest of his race. I have yet to meet a dwarf that matches his stature. He has taken the path of the barbarian. A dwarven barbarian? Seldom are such dwarves heard of. He is the first of his race to do so. But besides this, he is a master blacksmith, and he keeps his own forge on the outlands of Hormingard. He has forged many great weapons, some of which were too great for the members of the High Council to ignore. 
Two of the dwarven counselors wield Dorne's fine axes made of Sharn iron. Sharn is indeed the finest iron for weapon, but, alas, a rare iron in these days. Ever since the Sheemen took over Mount Thurminshar, whatever Sharn iron is still abroad is nearly tripled in price. Indeed. Dorne has only a small amount hidden. Constantly the High Counselor sends spies to seek out the hiding places of the iron. But Dornan has hidden them well. It is a sad thing to see him disgraced this way. He has changed ever so much since his treachery. He has a sad soul now. Who would have placed his hands in blood this way? He does not know. He suspects one of the counselors, but he has not found proof. But there he sneaks over the walls of Hormengard at nightfall and spies upon this suspect. He hopes that one night he may catch some proof and right the wrongs that have been done to him. Well, with his enrollment in this task of ours, he may forget his troubles for a time. Indeed. The horses have warmed. Let us ride quickly now. Aileen and Erelor continued their ride down the long plains for what seemed like mere minutes, and already the sun was setting as the hand of night reached across the sky. And already, the horses began to slow, as if some fell and unseen force were upon them, inhaling the very strength that kept them moving. And neither Aelin nor Erelor doubted that this was indeed what was happening. Malgroth's shadow was ever-growing. One could only wonder how much longer it was before. We will make camp here for the night, I think. Is it wise to stop so soon after setting out? The Shadow Riders shall have as much difficulty riding during the day as we would at night. There may come a time when we have to race them in the final stretch, and by their turns, in the darkness. But it would not be wise to tire our mounts so soon into our journey. Setting up a small and simple camp, Erelor and Aileen soon sat before a crackling fire as the moon rose high above them, casting pale light and strange shadows upon the world. I shall say one thing for the land of men. The stars here are brilliant, as beautiful as I have ever seen them. Are our lands really that different from the Silveran realms? Yes, and no. Similarities lie in the strangest of places, and yet so much is different. The land here seems so... Dull? <laughs> Vibrant. The ethereal frosts of winter have a pale beauty unmatched in Hodmorea's creation. And yet, there is another kind of beauty altogether in life, green and growing, pulsing with the beat of life, that no pale splendor could ever hope to rival. I cannot imagine what it must be like in the Elven Realms. So long has it been since my race was gifted with that knowledge. Does the hanging threat, the ever-present shadow of the Dark Lord, weigh as heavily there? It does not shroud the land, nor away in the air, but it is felt, nonetheless, in the trees, in the grass, in the heart. The Elves are better attuned to such senses than men, I should think. It would be a glorious thing to have the weight lifted away, would it not? To be free of the burden of constant attack, 
tireless evil that seeks naught but our destruction? There are times, times of great despair, when all we have left to cling to is the hope of the Tulina Omard. And in those days, there shall rise the guardians of the moral, who, in fellowship and might, forged in justice and righteous aims, with the smile of Hodmoria upon them. Shall strike the first blow against the Dark Lord, and lo, from this first peril, many shall grow, and the darkness shall be utterly destroyed for all times. I was taught the words from the ancient texts as a child. Someday, it would be a glorious thing. You speak doubtfully. Do you not believe in the prophecies of the Tulina Omart? Of course, I, I do. But they are bright words for brighter days, for an age of heroes. And why could those days not be the here and now? I, I doubt that such would occur, my lady. I see few in this world worthy of such great deeds. This is not an age of light. And yet... Someday those words shall come true. Few living in times of greatness ever see that greatness around them. Who is to say that even the guardians of the moral would believe that they live not in the age of hope in the promises, but in the age of their fulfillment? You speak wisdom, of course. Perhaps it is too easy for faith in what we believe and the reality of what we perceive around us to become separated. But for now, we are only two travelers with a long way yet to cover. If the Guardians are ever to arise and strike the first peril of the Dark Lord, then the way must be made clear for them. He cannot be allowed to lay his hands on that sword. We should get some sleep now. We must rise and set out very early if we are to overtake these Shadow Riders to their goal. Agreed. We will need all of our strength. Good night, Captain of Tirithgar. Good night, Lady Shadowleaf. For three more days they rode, always making camp at nightfall and setting out at the earliest light. From the borders of Pirum Harald to the rivers of Gelaferith, they traveled. No living creature was seen between these two places. All life had fled to safer pastures following the beginning of the war. And so it was that on the third day of their journey, they came upon an unusual sight. As the others escaped through the catacombs, finally we too fled into a hasty retreat as the walls were breached. We made our way back to the men, those huddled in the caves beneath the cliffside. Once the keep had been taken, we had nowhere else to run. I was at the front line of the battalion that rode forth. Those orcs paid dearly for their treachery. There is a voice upon the air, and a fell essence. Dismount. If there is indeed danger ahead, our horses shall be kept safe. Have you not a bow or blade, Aileen? I need neither bow nor blade as my weapon. Very well. I shall not question the combat skills of a Silvera. Baruch Or. Come, let us face this fell creature. As Erelor and Aeolene ran over the obscuring hill before them, they came upon a surprising sight. A man clothed in a green cloak and leather garments stood with a sword and buckler before the hulking Varagur. 
A few yards to the side, a white stallion lay lifeless upon the grassy floor. He's a Timberoon Ranger. In these parts? There will be time for questions later. It was a brutal fight. It was three against 100 in terms of strength and might. The massive troll-like creature swung its great hammer many times, but thanks to the speed of the Tirithgar captain, the Silverian sorceress, and this Tiberian ranger, each hit missed and thundered upon the ground. After what seemed like hours, the Veracur was, at last, felled by the sorcery of Aelian, and all fell quiet as the creature collapsed, lifeless, to the ground. Well met, strangers. And to you, ranger, I must say I am quite bewildered. Happening upon a Timberuan ranger and a Verukor, this far from his home and its battlefield, is quite a puzzling sight. The sight of this felt beast was puzzling to me also. I came upon him sleeping here by the tree. He heard the hooves of my horse approaching and was up and ready for battle here had I even pulled my blade from its sheath. These Verukor have ears like elves. It is said they can hear clearly up to three miles away. Perhaps he heard your coming, or you even set foot in these fields. So he awaited my coming. Cursed is my deafness. Had I been looking upon the ground, I might have seen signs of his nearness. Alas, the great stallion has passed this day. Never before have I heard the tongue of Timberuin. It is a beautiful speech, said to be the only language the trees understand. Seldom is it spoken anymore by the rangers. In these dark times, much has been forgotten since the tidings of war. Curse Magrath in his black halls. His end shall come soon enough. You have not yet answered my question, ranger. Your name's first. Although I would question our trust in you if you were not a Timberuan ranger, I believe I could put my life in the hands of a man of the forest. I am Erolor Ildain, captain of the guard of Tirithgar. I am Aelian Shadowleaf of the Winter Realms, daughter of Lady Maithlin and sorceress of the Siligari. Your names are not unknown to me. Tales of your valiancy, Captain Erolor. And your heroism, Lady Aeolin, have spread by the whispers of the trees. I am Elebror. I believe I may be the last true ranger of the Emerald Wood. I have left the leaves of Timberuan. The rangers have become corrupt. They speak of joining with the Dark One. The winning side, they call it. Surely not! For many eras have the rangers been enemies of the Black Realms. We believe them to be the most angered of all peoples with the dark ways of Malgroth. And so they were once. Are there others who have left like you? Yes. Two others there were with me. Elamain, my brother. And Tuladine, my friend. Both fell in battle against the company of Ukar Vag not two days ago. It is no good grieving for them. They have passed on to the Anara. It is a far better place in the heavens than will ever be here in this war-forsaken world. 
Might our hearty be honored with the presence of the last Timberuin ranger? To where do you venture? It is to Amnasar that we ride, if we get that far. We are hunting a host of shadow riders who are sent by the Dark Lord to retrieve the Black Sword from the lands of Ash. Then the whispers of the trees were true. The Dark One has found a resting place for the fell blade. Yes, and we ride with all the speed that our horses will allow, for these riders have already been traveling for two nights. I would forever regret it if I did not have a part in the tale of the Dark Lord's downfall. Then let us ride, friend, and let us make this chapter in the tale a great And so it was that Erelor and Aelin continued their journey, but now with a third companion. To Homingard they rode with all speed, Erelor and Aelin on one horse, and Elebror on the other. Day became night, and night became day once more. And the hearts of the three companions grew stronger with each passing hour. But so too did the blackened heart of another creature in the weblands of the Shirithethgar. In the bowels of Mount Thermonshard, the Shemin Creed Shela plotted her next steps of the war within the undercity of the Shininpalak. We shall crumble the walls of Castlehem and lay its peoples in their own blood. And the Shemin will rise to power once more under my leadership. What is it, Priestess Shawara? Why have you entered without my consent? Forgive us, our queen, but the matter is urgent. Well, speak, priestess, and be quick about it. The resting place of the Black Blade has been discovered, our queen. What? Malgroth has finally found it, our majesty. Impossible. The cursed wizard hid it where no one could possibly find it. It was hidden in such a place for a very long time, but now it has been discovered. Manoroth hid it well, but not well enough. And where does it lie? In the lands of Ash Heights. Amnesar, the clever fool. No one would ever have suspected his hiding it in its homeland. Until now. Malgroth has sent a company of shadow riders to Amnesar. They will arrive by the month's end. <sighs> not to worry, our queen. They have only just passed by our land. If we were to send out a host of our own warriors, we could run faster than those creatures of theirs. Surely we would reach Amnesar before them. Yes. Yes. Do it. As you wish, Our Majesty. Too long has Malgroth dominated. The Shemin shall rise to power this time.
of the Sheenan, on the outlands of Hormingard, a lone dwarf stood in a forge, the pounding of hammer on anvil resonating through his hardened muscles. He was fast at work crafting yet another precious blade from the Sharon. I shall call ye Dulikwai. He shall be the finest of all hammers. Ah, welcome, friends, to the Storm Forge. I make the best weapons this side of Aura. If it's help you've been eating, just give me a holler. If not, save your wind and take a look about the place. <sighs> These are fine weapons indeed, Master Smithy. How do you get them so perfect? Their perfection was not made by my own hand. The iron from which they were so delicately carved is already flawless in every way. Mm. What iron is that? Why, the best iron of Etherum, of course. Sharon iron. The only true iron that a dwarf can really get his hands into. Sharon. I have heard of no such iron. Show me a piece so that my eyes may see this Perfection. I, uh, unfortunately, I can't be showing you where I keep it. These are dark times, friend, and ere do I find that the High Counselors of Homengard be sending mercenaries to seek out my secret stash. <laughs> we are no spies. Well, all the same, if I be begging your pardon, good sirs, I'd rather not. But can't oh, I? That's all right, Master Dwarf. We understand. These are dark times indeed. One can never be sure who to trust. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Tell me, have you any shields? Yeah, yeah, right, right back here, gents. Now these shields are made from both Sharon and Eothras iron, forged by my own hand here in the world. All at once, a sharp blow came to the back of the dwarf's head. He fell to the ground, clutching the new wound, and stared through painfully squeezed eyelids up at one of the men. The man held an iron rod in his hand and stared down at Dawn, his lips curved in a snake-like grin. The man then leaned down and grabbed the dwarf by the collar and pulled him up halfway. Now, good dwarf, if you value your life, you will tell me where you keep the iron. Curse the greedy counselors. Curse you all to the deep fires. Quiet. Where is it? Tell us, and you will be bothered no longer. Is this iron so worth your life? I guess it is. Stay your hand, stranger. Huh? Put that blade down or I will cut off the hand that grips it. Out. This doesn't concern you, whoever you may be. Leave now, and I will spare your life as well as those of your two companions. Are you challenging me? Well then, you shall have Elebor, out! Now! What? Now! As the three companions backed out of the forge, the two men suddenly became aware of a low growling. Returning their attention to the dwarf, they found that his face was red, and he was shaking uncontrollably from head to foot. At long last, the wild rage that barbarians are notorious for was unleashed. What rage has befallen?
killing him. It is the rage of the barbarians. It is said that all who walk the barbaric path are granted this dark skill. The door to the stone forge was thrust open. A roaring dwarf stood in the doorway, the red of his face paling back to normal as the man stood and chased after his companion down the fields. If ever I find you, so help me, I'll scalp you and hang your foul carcasses in the silver halls of Hormigard! Dorn. Aileen? Aileen Shadowleaf. It, it, it can't be. Yes. By the face of Alorian. I have not laid eyes upon you since the Battle of the White Bridge. Aye. Too long has it been, old friend. Pardon me, Master Dwarf. But I must say that it would be an ill day indeed for me to be on your bedside. <laughs> <laughs> come, come inside. Or it is too cold out here. The long winters are fast approaching. Erelor, Aileen, and Elbor followed Dawn into the warmth of the forge, leaving their horses in the small shed outside of the shop where the dwarf kept his own two ponies and carriage. Inside, the four spoke to each other of news from the corners of Ethelwell. After much had been said, Aileen related to Dawn the details of the quest that she, the Tirithgar captain, and the Tamburian ranger now embarked on. When all was said, and night had fallen and the moon had risen, Dawn had decided that he would indeed join them. They rested until the sun rose once more in the valley. Alright, the wagon has been loaded with weapons and supplies. You'll never know what other companions you'll be meeting along the way. Good thinking, Master Dwarf. Please, call me Dawn. I have not the right of the title master. Not in the eyes of Hormengard. But by seeing your kind spirit and friendship, you have earned that title in my eyes. If only I could prove myself innocent. Well, let me strike this bargain with you. Should we return from this journey alive, I will do all that I can do to aid you in your quest for innocence and proof. As will I, Master Dwarf. And I. so it was that even in such a short time, a bond was made between the four. None now know why their friendship grew so quickly. Some believe that it was Hordmoria or Elorian's doing. But whatever the case, the bond was strong and would grow stronger through the coming days. Meanwhile, not six leagues from the Stoneforge, the fell riders of Borog Bidroth rode with all the speed that their monstrous mounts would allow. They were dark creatures. Every day they scaled the lands like the strides of a giant. Every few moments, the fell voice of Malgroth would whisper to them, speaking of unfolding and forthcoming events, speaking of threats to the dark power, speaking of a band of warriors who now set out to stop them. The Shadow Riders rode faster still, fast enough so that any who were near them as they rode past saw only a flash of darkness. It would be a long race for the four companions. Only the miracles of Hodmorian could help them in their speed.